ahead of God. The cost of getting ahead of God. Today, there are between 1.6 and 2 billion Muslims in the world today. Put your mind around that. 1.6 to 2 billion. There might be even more than that, but that's a lot of people that claim to be Muslims. We're talking about people I mean, in the billions. And it makes it, being Muslim, it makes them the, the second largest religion as far as the numbers go in the world today. Two billion, imagine that. Imagine those 1.6 to 2 billion people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. They look at him as being a prophet. If you go and look at their teachings, they believe that he was a prophet. But they believe that the Bible that we hold today was actually corrupted. And therefore, they deny the Word of God. They believe that Jesus did come, but he was a prophet. They believe in many prophets. They believe in Adam as a prophet. They believe in Moses as a prophet, as Noah as a prophet. They don't see Jesus Christ, though, as anything more than a prophet, the fact that he is the Son of God. They look at him differently. They don't look to him as their personal Savior. And I'm, I'm saying this because it's a little bit of history about you know, what they believe, but I, I, I want to talk about this to think about, you know, put your mind and wrap your mind around the fact that nearly two billion people do not believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. And we know that according to the word of God that Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Therefore, that tells us today that the second biggest religion in the world today, if we look at just strict numbers, there's nearly two billion people that are going to die and go to hell because they don't believe in Jesus Christ. And those two billion people, and, and some had said that, that they would say that because of one man and one woman, because of a decision that they made to not wait on the Lord, we have this problem today. I want you to think about that with me. You're going to catch on in a minute. In almost every country where Islam is the major religion, Christians are persecuted. Many countries today, if Islam is the main religion, there's many Christians that are persecuted, not just by shunning them, but by actually people being put to death too. And all of this is because of one man and one woman would not wait on God. Today, Israel is surrounded by four countries, Lebanon to the north, Syria to the east, Jordan to the southeast, Egypt to the southwest, and most of the countries have pledged to destroy Israel. All because one man and one woman would not wait on the Lord. You know, it can be difficult knowing what to do sometimes. We talk about waiting on the Lord. Sometimes we wonder what should we do? Where should we go? And let me just ask you a couple of questions. I want you to think about this with me. It might not be specific questions, but I want you to get thinking in your mind about what decisions you're making and why you make those decisions. I mean, for instance, do you stay where you are and wait for the Lord to work, or do you take that new job because it makes more money? Because it's got you know, a nice city that you could go and move into, and you, you pick your family up, and you move, and you, you're going to be able to get a nice house there, and you got a nice job, and, and you just go and make that move without waiting on God to give you direction. And, and there's a lot of people that do that. There are a lot of people today that will make a decision like that, and they won't even check to see whether or not there's a, a good church even in that area. I've known people that have done it. They didn't wait on the Lord. They made a decision based on what they saw, and they tried to figure it out themselves, and they said, hey, this is a great opportunity. More money, better situation. Let's move. How about this? You're getting a bit older. Things haven't worked out exactly like you thought they would, and you're still single. 
The person you're seeing doesn't really make the Lord a priority in their life. You've got friends, perhaps family members, that are warning you, saying, hey, something's not right here. This person isn't, isn't, isn't going to be the right husband or wife for you. Uh, be careful what you're doing here. And yet you don't wait on the Lord. You say, well, I'm, I'm going to miss my chance if I don't take this chance. If I, if I don't go and marry this person. I, listen, do you make the decision to move forward with that even though you know it won't please God? Or do you wait and wait on God's timing? Wait on somebody that's going to make God a priority in their life. How about this one? You're, you're looking at a new job opportunity, perhaps a second job. And you're, you're looking at this job as something that perhaps on top of your regular job. And like I said, these are just examples. I'm trying to get you to think with me tonight about waiting on God and doing things according to God's, God's will in your life and God's timing. But here's this job opportunity, and you have the opportunity to work this side job, and doing the side job might end up making you more money down the road. And by doing the side job, it, it means that you're not going to be able to spend that time with your family that you should. Perhaps by doing that side job, you're going to miss out on some of those life events that your kids are going to have, perhaps their birthday or whatever it might be. And, and you say, well, I've got to do this. I'm doing it for my kids. Yet those kids are only young one time. They grow up. And of course, that's just a side note when it comes to doing this side job and not being in church the way that you should be. Do we wait on the Lord? Or do we look at things with our own eyes and decide to do what we're going to do? You know, sometimes it gets hard to know the right thing to do in life. Sometimes choosing the right path can be difficult, but if we rush and try to make things happen when the Lord isn't leading, I can tell you what's going to happen. It can not only impact your life for the negative, but it also impacts the ones that you love. It has an impact on your family, on your children. It has an impact on, on a church. It has an impact in your life. And so tonight, I, I'd like for us to look at the cost of getting ahead of God, of trying to make something happen where God is not leading. And I want us to look here in Genesis chapter 16. I want you to notice here in verse number 1, notice what it says. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my, my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived... Her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. And Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is thy, in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. I want us to look here for just a few moments, and I want us to think about the question tonight, the cost of getting ahead of God. We see here and, you know, a, a situation that Abram and, and Sarai are, are going to have to make some choices. They've made some decisions. You know, making decisions in a perfect world is not difficult. 
Making a choice in a perfect world is not difficult. In a perfect world, God's will is known perfectly and clearly. In a perfect world, as soon as we first get an inkling that the Lord may be leading us in a certain direction, the door is open. Everything is easy. We just simply walk through the door in a perfect world. But this is not a perfect world that we live in. There are a lot of challenges that we're faced, we're faced with when we go to make decisions in our life. And so there are times when God is going to tell us to wait. There are times when we have to work in God's timetable and we have to do things according to His will and wait and let the Lord work in our life and, and prepare us and get us ready for that decision, what He's wanting us to do. He often gives us a foreshadowing of what He wants. I've seen that in my own life. I see when I was at 14 years old that God called me to preach. I knew He did. That was a foreshadowing. I didn't know all the details in between, though. I didn't know what I was going to have to do over the next, you know, so many years before I actually became a pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church. I didn't know how God was going to work. God will give us a foreshadowing of things. Sometimes God will give you a foreshadowing in your life where there's something to put in your heart and you know that God wants that in your life. But what we have to be careful with is that we don't rush that timetable and we do it according to God's timetable, according to God's will and His perfect timing. I think of Moses. We spent, I mean, I think we spent over a year looking at Moses, the emancipator of the children of Israel, and how that Moses tried to take things into his own hand. You remember how that he tried to be the emancipator of the children of Israel, and he ended up committing murder in doing so. We have to be so careful that we don't step outside of God's timetable for our life. Here we see in this situation exactly what's going on. God, he is giving a foreshadowing of what he's going to do in Abram's life and what he's going to bless him with. And yet we see there that they're, that they're moving forward without God's direction. Let's look at the struggle that Abram struggled with. I want you to, 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 first of all, notice it if you would. Go back to chapter 15. Notice Abram's struggle there. Go back to chapter 15. Look at verse number 4. Here we see the promise that's been given. Notice it says, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. You see, God had promised Abram that he would be the father of many nations, that he would be the father of many. Many would, be, would come as a result of Abram, and God was going to bless his people. And then he took Abram outside, and he said, look at the stars and number them. Try to number all the stars and, and all that are out there. And, and this is man, what an amazing promise. If you can, all that you can see out there, you're going to have more than that that you're going to have as your children, as your descendants, and part of your nation. Amazing if you think about that. You know what's even amazing also is the fact that Abram actually believed God. I mean, you think about what God is telling him and how, what kind of faith it took for him to believe that that was actually going to happen. Remember the position that Abram's in at this time. Abram, here he is, he's in his 80s, and he doesn't even have a, a son yet. Abram, God's making this promise to him, and he says, Number the stars, and I'm going to bless you, and you're going to have all these children. And Abram just simply believed in God. God told him directly. God told him specifically and clearly what was going to happen. And Abram believed in it. Mark that down in your thinking. God told him directly, specifically, and clearly. And Abram believed. And it was counted to him for righteousness. 
because of the belief that he had. He had belief in what God had said to him. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to bless you in a great way. Abram believed God. What an accomplishment for him to get to this place of faith. Now think about this with me for just a moment. It's easy for us to judge Abram and Sarai for what they did, but what do we do when God tells us to do something that seems impossible? What kind of faith do we have? Wouldn't it be an amazing thing if every child of God would just simply do what God specifically and clearly tells us to do by faith? Think about that for a moment. What has God specifically told you and clearly told you from his word what we should do or should not do? Where we should go, where we should not go? What an enormous amount of faith that Abram had. God is directing him. God is telling him. And and we see here is a man that truly was a man of faith. Abram believed God. Now there was something, though, that God did not specifically say or explain how it was going to happen. He didn't specifically say how I'm going to make you the father of many nations and, and Sarai will be their mother. He didn't specifically talk about that. He promised the kids would have Abram's DNA, but he had yet to promise that it would be Sarai's DNA. Look back at it. Read it. He didn't have that yet. He didn't understand all that. So with each passing month, with every month, Sarai is again not pregnant. The pressure grows. You can imagine the people in the town. Is there, I mean, they're saying, well, Abram, you said you're going to be this. And, or you can imagine his wife saying, well, what's going on? I mean, they're questioning this. Why aren't we having this child? Why aren't we having this heir? Finally, Sarai, with her eyes on her womb instead of on God, what does she do? She takes matters into her own hands. She tells Abraham, you sleep with my, my servant. You sleep with Hagar. Now, for us, we, we don't understand this. It's like, this is just totally foreign to us. We can't even comprehend something like this. In that day, though, as far as the culture was concerned, it would have been a very normal thing to do. It would have been normal that if, if, a, if, if Sarai was not able to have a baby or a child, this, the son, to be able to carry on the family, that it would have been normal for them to be able to give one of their servants that would be able to step in place of. I can't even comprehend that, but it would have been something that would have been normal in that day. By the way, just because it's normal socially does not make it right. Just because the world says, hey, it's okay, you can go ahead and do this, does not make it right. Here we see that Sarai, she's, she's focusing on her empty womb instead of looking at God, the God that can, and trusting in God. And, and so here we see that she makes a decision. Listen, the decision that she made and that Abram agreed to, God never agreed to that. God was never for that. You remember what was recorded in the, the first man and woman in the Garden of Eden? You remember? Genesis 2, verse 24 says this, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God's plan from the very beginning has always been one man, one woman for life. That is God's plan in the Word of God. That is God's plan. It still is God's plan today. I'm thankful that God is a gracious and merciful God. I'm glad that God does allow for there to be when a situation where there has been a divorce for God to work through that even yet. But that's never been God's design. God's design was always one woman one man, faithful and true, f- through their life. 
And you know, the sad thing is, the whole process is in this thing that we're talking about. Not once do we see recorded that Abram, he got out there on the many altars that he had made to God, where he took and made a sacrifice on that altar, and he cried out to God, God, I need your help. God, I need your wisdom. God, would you direct? God, you made this promise, and God, would you help me understand what we should do? You never see that. You never see Sarai. Nowhere do we see it in Scripture where she cried out to God in prayer and said, Lord, what should I do? We think of other prayers of women that couldn't have a child in the Word of God and how they cried out to God and how God answered prayer. We don't see it with Sarai. You see, they knew they had the Lord's promise. So perhaps he wanted them to take things into their own hands. Perhaps they thought, well, maybe we should go ahead and do this because this is what God promised. Go back to our text there. Look at chapter 16, verse 4. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And so the biblical record, it doesn't preserve Abram and Sarai's uh, dinner conversation. It doesn't tell us exactly what they said, but man, can you imagine what, what kind of conversation they had after this? You're talking about a husband and wife. Here they are getting together. First of all, can you imagine being in the situation of Sarai now, what she said to do, this lady now has the child of her husband. Can you imagine the situation that you'd be in in that position? I mean, can you imagine them sitting there and talking about it? You know, they could have rationalized it. You know, rationalize is this. The devise a self-satisfying but incorrect reason for one's behavior. Can you imagine them rationalizing as to why they did it? Imagine this old couple saying, man, isn't it amazing, honey, how the Lord blessed our decision? I mean, by the way, he made a promise. And boy, and, and by the way, she conceived, so it must have been God's will. Hmm. Man, I've heard things like that before. There's times I've had the wrong rational thinking, rationalized something and tried to okay something I did because of the outcome that's immediate, not looking at the long-term outcome of what it's going to cause. Rationalizing it. Well, it must have been okay. God promised it. It must have been okay. She conceived. God's the one that made that happen. Huh. Listen, we need to be so careful with that thinking. I've heard it said that it's mighty easy to find signs of God's approval in a situation when we want it bad enough. You want something bad enough? You can find God's approval for just about anything you want. There are a lot of people that do that. Be very careful. We see here a situation where here Abram is in a situation because he is in a struggle because God has made a promise and is humanly speaking. But here is a man that's a man of faith, by the way. Here is a man that, that trusted in God. Here is a man that believed what God said, and yet because God hadn't delivered it to him yet, he took it into his own hands. I want you to notice, secondly, the result of rushing. The result of Abram and Sarah rushing God, it didn't take long to show themselves or to show itself of what was going to happen because of the decision that they made. Here we see Hagar has barely begun to show when she begins to despise her master, Sarai. That's what the Bible says. She despises her. Here's two women. Same household. One's rich. One's powerful. One's old. The head of the house. Feeling bad about her empty womb. And here's another woman that's young. She's enslaved. She's poor, but pregnant. 
One is devastated. The other is proud. Just because the condition of their bodies, something neither one of them had any control over. Imagine that. There was nothing Sarai could have done. Was it her fault that she could not conceive at this point? Why hadn't she had children earlier? Now she's past the age. Why couldn't she have a child? God had promised. She must have been feeling. And in those days, you have to understand the, the worth of a woman. In those days, they would have thought themselves as being absolutely worthless if they couldn't have a child. That, that's the way they felt. But yet she had no control over it. She's feeling so bad about herself, yet there was no control. Hagar had nothing to do with what made her fertile, but two women judging themselves the way the world does. Something neither one of them could control, had any power over, judging themselves by the world's standards. There's something there for us, I tell you. Today, we need to be very careful that we don't allow how the world judges things to affect how we feel about ourselves or affect how we, what we do or what decision that we're going to make. Sarai and Abram, they sinned. Didn't take long for the fallout to happen. It brought all kinds of problems. Where there had been peace in the family, now there is turmoil, now there is upheaval, now there is strife, all kinds of problems. You know, when the consequences of sin begin to fall, relationships always suffer. You mark that down. When there is sin in the home, relationships will always suffer. You know, Sarai, she says to Abram, man, this is all your fault. <laughs> it's all your fault. I, I put my servant into your arms and now she despises me. This is all your fault. I mean, who was the one that had the idea to begin with? Who was it? Help me out. Sarai. She is the one that had the idea to begin with. And, and she's the one that thought the whole thing up. She's the one that put it in action. That's all correct. There's true. There's no doubt about that. She's the one who suggested this thing in the first place. But listen now. Abram is the spiritual leader in that house. Abram is the one who spoke to God personally. Abram is the one that, that, that who, who should have told Sarai, no, I'm not going to do that. That is not what God's will is. I'm going to trust in God. I'm not going to do that. He should have told her the right way to go. And so here we see, here's a situation where Sarai, she blames him for something that was her idea. Meanwhile, where's Abram? Is he being the godly spiritual leader that he should? Listen, men, each of us are responsible for our own sins, our own actions, our own decisions. Don't blame anybody else for your actions. The choices that you make, it is your choice. You can't blame that on your wife. You can't blame it on the fellow person at work. You can't blame it on the devil. <laughs> decisions that you make are your own choices. That goes for all of us, by the way. But I will say this specifically. Listen, here's Sarai. She's in a position, a weakness position. She's in a position where she feels less about herself because of what the world thinks about her. Abram should have been there encouraging her. Abram should have been there and saying that you are my wife. God has made a promise. And by the way, I believe this with all of my heart, that if you would look at this and understand it, Abram, when God made that promise, God was not just promising him. He was promising that one that became one flesh with him. The Bible says they became one flesh. That's how you're going to have children. God made a promise, and I believe that God was going to show himself. Now, I, that's just what I believe, and I, I understand that you could say, well, maybe God was going to do it a different way, but it was not Abram's or Sarai's responsibility to figure it out, but to trust in God, to wait on God's timing. And I want to go back to the subject once again. Men, we are to be the spiritual leader of the home. 
when it's time to make a decision, when it's time to what we're supposed to do, listen, you need to make sure that you are doing what God wants you to do. You need to make sure that you are the spiritual leader in your home. You know, we're all going to give an account for what we do individually, but men, we're going to have to give an account for our home. What kind of spiritual leader we've been. Don't sit around and wait for your wife's spiritual leadership. I, I've, I've seen churches where women were doing things that never should have been doing, and I'm talking about leadership-wise. And I, and I asked, why is that going on? And they said, because the men won't do it. Man, that, that ought not be that way. I praise God for the strong, godly men, godly leadership in this church. That doesn't mean that women are less. It's just there are responsibilities that men have been given. And to be the spiritual leader in the home, don't sit around and let your wife be the one that's talking to God. Let your wife be the one that has that quiet time with God. Let your wife be the one that's in the Word of God. When you're just sitting back and you're not being the spiritual leader, get in the Word of God yourself. Be the godly leader. Be the spiritual leader. Get on your face before God. God. Ask God for His guidance in your life. And so Sarai, she gets upset. So what does Abram do? He once again abandons his responsibility to be the spiritual leader in the house. He says to his wife, she's your servant. Do with her as you please. What a, what a response. What kind of response is that? Do with her as you please. He had the relationship with her. That was his child. Do with her as you please. I can't even comprehend that. Do with her. That, that lady that has my child, do with her as you please, but just leave me alone. Hmm. How many of us fail to do what is right, fail to stand up for other people just because we want peace in our house? Let me explain what I'm talking about. Just take the kids and let them play four different sports and make sure they're busy. And so they're doing something all the time, so they just leave me alone. I mean, today we live in a world like that. Parents don't want to be responsible. Just, just let the kids go and do that and this and this and this and that. Just leave me alone. Or, or there's somebody asking a question. The wife's asking, what should I do? And man, you do whatever you want to do. Go shopping, do this, do whatever you want. Just leave me alone. I'm going to go to my man cave and I'm going to veg down there for a while or up there or wherever it's at. These man caves, what is that all about? What is a man cave? It's what I don't have. I want, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, nothing wrong with having a place that you can have. I'm not against that. What I'm talking about is there's such a disconnect today with men from their children, from their family, being the spiritual leader within the home. They're letting mama do everything and take care of the kids. They're letting mama be the spiritual uh, uh, prayer warrior in the home. Oftentimes, I'm just saying, many men have disconnected. And they just say, do what you want to do, just leave me in peace. Kids want to do whatever? Oh, I'm tired of saying no. Just go do what you want to do and leave me alone. What a sad place to be as a father to get to the place where that's the way you respond. Sarai. She says, okay. Well, she begins to mistreat Hagar. So Hagar runs away. Now, when you think of Hagar running away, I want to ask the question, how bad must it have been for her to run away? I mean, think about this with me. When, when we look at stories like this, I really want to encourage you. I want you to put yourself in the place. I want you to go back, what it would feel like, what's going on. How would it have been to have been in that place? Can you imagine Hagar? Here she has this child. She's with child. 
She's being treated so bad that she runs away. Listen, I want to tell you something. I have known, I've seen it happen. Women that have been abused by their husband again and again and again and again and again and have never run away. They go back again and again. I've seen men that have been married to a miserable woman and, and yet they hang in there, they hang in there, they hang in there. And, and how bad must it have been for Hagar to run away? A servant with child into the wilderness? Food? A place to sleep, protection. I mean, you really think about that for a moment. Can you imagine with the turmoil that must have been going on in that home? Can you imagine how difficult it must have been? So here she runs away. I mean, she could have fallen victim to any number of things. I mean, men that would have been out there to take advantage of her, I mean, wild animals, not having a place to be warm and to sleep, not having food. Listen, sin can certainly blind us to our responsibilities. There's no doubt about that. Sin. Sin can blind us to how our actions can impact others, how it will impact others. What you do in your life will impact those that you love. When you're doing wrong, when you're not doing what's right, when you are neglecting responsibility, when you are not listening to the Holy Spirit of God, when you are sinning in your life, it will impact others. Sarah didn't care, and Abram didn't look. Just leave me alone. But you know, there are some who are watching. There was someone, excuse me, there was one that was watching. God was seeing, and we're going to look at this next week. We don't have time to go through it tonight. But there was one that was watching. Even in this situation, it's amazing. I'm going to talk about Hagar next week. We're going to talk about how that God spoke to her. Amazing. But you know, God was watching over. God knew exactly what was going on. And tonight, really, I want to bring it down to this. I want to just challenge us before we move on looking at how God worked through all this. I want you to, to, to identify yourself and where you're at today. Man, are you the spiritual leader of your home? Are you leading your family? Are you in the word of God? Do you have the wisdom of God in your life? Do you have God directing you? Is the Holy Spirit of God directing you in your life? Do you pray for your family? Do you pray for your wife? Your children? Ladies, are you a godly wife? Do you trust God at his word? Can you imagine being Sarai when Abram comes to her and says the promise that God had given? Do you believe when God speaks to your husband, would you follow your husband wherever God would lead? Do you trust God? Where are we at in our life? Decisions that you're making? Directions that you're headed? Are you following God each step of the way or are you trying to get ahead of it? God says, I want you to be happy. You think that finding happiness is doing it this, 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 and this, and yet that's contrary to God's word. Are you trusting in the Lord? Have you made decisions that have gotten you in a difficult place? Take responsibility for it. Take responsibility for it. Stop blaming somebody else. Ask God for forgiveness and ask God for his help. We're going to look at it next week, and it's just an amazing story to see how God is not through in this story and how God is still working. How God, even in the midst of people making wrong choices and people sinning and doing what is absolutely wrong, how God can still work in their lives. 
And God, he's working in our lives. God, he's working in your life. And the question is, are you being led by the Holy Spirit of God and doing it according to God's time and God's way? You look at what, hap what has happened as a result of one man and one woman getting ahead of God and trying to do it in their own strength and their own way and not trusting God each step of the way, how much trouble it brought. And I'm telling you tonight, listen, I'm challenging you tonight. Men, be godly men. Be the spiritual leader in your home. Pray and ask God for his wisdom. I'm challenging tonight, those of you that are struggling with what to do and how to do it or where or what, trust God. Don't walk through a door unless God opens it. Don't knock the door down. Ask God for his direction. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray.